All right. So with this episode, we're going to get a little personal. I want you to meet part of my family. Yeah, my name's Lisa, um, Lisa Tan. Uh, I am, uh, in case you couldn't tell by uh, the sound of my voice, I am Sarah's younger sister. We sound very similar. I identify as an Asian American woman. And another member of my family. My full name is, Americanized full name is Marianne Midyoung Park. So you can identify me as Mrs. Park. I am Sarah and Lisa's mama. Like a lot of Asian American mothers and daughters, I think there's a generational gap and a cultural gap between myself, my sister, and my mom. And maybe some of you can relate. For one, because my sister and I were raised in America, we have this particular view. I think my idea of a mother-daughter relationship is very like influenced by the American idea of what like a mother-daughter relationship should be like. And like also like TV shows like Gilmore Girls, I think, where like the mother and daughter are like on totally equal footing. Like they can just talk to each other like they're best friends and they can tell each other everything. But for my mom, who was born and raised in Korea, this idea is pretty ridiculous. To her, parenting isn't about being equals. You know, I think it is really important to have that certain amount of deference to their parents because your parents cannot be your friend. Parents are not your friends, you know? You can't talk about the Asian-American experience without also talking about the Asian mother-daughter relationship, the expectations that come with it, and also that cultural in-between space that Asian-American daughters end up in. Many of us are caught between trying to be two opposing views of ourselves, our mothers and our own. This is an issue that's been talked about a lot recently. Maybe you've seen Everything Everywhere All at Once or Disney's Turning Red, two movies where a mother and daughter clash over the mother's expectations for her daughter and her daughter's true nature. How could she do this to her own mother? More familiar words have never been said. And this is exactly where I want to center this episode. The Asian-American mother-daughter relationship. Because, okay, I can tell you from experience. I know this can be a tough one. And I know so many other Asian-American women who say this relationship can be difficult, too. So I'd like to give a space to dig into it. I'm Sarah Mises-Tan, and this is Mid-Pacific, a podcast exploring Asian-American identity, this time through the lens of the mother-daughter relationship. We'll be right back. One thread that kept coming up in my conversations with my mom and my sister was this idea of sacrifice. And when I spoke with a therapist who specializes in Asian-American mental health, she told me, that was actually pretty common, especially within Asian families. Sujin Lee is one of the founders of the Yellow Chair Collective, a therapy group geared specifically for Asian Americans. And she says for Asian American women in particular, struggling with their relationships with their mother is very common. It wasn't uh, something that we thought we would be specializing in per se. I think it just kind of found us in a way. She says a lot of the difficulties that come up in this relationship stem from cultural and generational misunderstanding. And for reasons like gender norms and gendered expectations around what role women play in families, Asian women end up really experiencing this tension the most. 
I mean, obviously, right, any mother-daughter relationship can be super complicated and there's so many layers to uncover. But specifically, I feel like within the Asian community, the mother-daughter relationships, there's obviously the love, maybe overly love. (laughs) And then there's the sacrifice portion, right? And that sacrifice piece comes with so much guilt, right? And then that guilt creates a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah, definitely a lot of anxiety. But I think part of the sense of sacrifice comes from my mother seeing the two of us as extensions of herself. Sujin says this is also pretty common. And while the answer for white Americans might be to draw those firm boundaries, it isn't always easy for us Asian Americans. I hear this a lot for um, clients that have had white therapists that you just need to create more boundary with your family. And that's kind of the solution uh, to the enmeshed, right, a relationship that you are having with your mother. You're taking on too much of her guilt. You're taking on too much of her responsibility into your life. And for us as, you know, Asian women, that doesn't work. That tends to not be the solution. We cannot just disconnect from our entire family (laughs) and be expected to survive, right? And our survival sometimes does really rely on, our emotional survival does rely on being able to be connected with our family, be connected with our mothers, right? And their survival, vice versa. And so to just say, you have to have boundaries, just don't work. Sujin says she's tried to build looser boundaries with her mother without fully distancing herself. So doing things like not always picking up her call or not immediately texting back. So it's not that we need to have a total disconnection from our mothers, but that we want to create enough space in our mental and emotional minds and space to be able to process what it is that they went through, to be able to really discover their story, and that that comes from a space of trauma, right? And when we put that into perspective, then we can always understand that what they're doing is just a reaction of trauma. Basically, our mothers have baggage, and sometimes that gets moved on to us. And we've got to find a way to break out of that. She tells this to her Asian-American clients. Try to figure out what you want first. With the tiger mom phenomenon, (laughs) I think for a lot of the times, the mother's sacrifice, right, was translated into the definition of how they saw success, right? And so the way that they define success in order for their sacrifice to be met was the total control for us as daughters to look successful in a certain way. And and so we had to adopt that, right? We had to really work towards their definition of success, then we work under the control of their definition of success so many times. So we can't personalize it when our moms project their own trauma on us. But sometimes, for us to come out from under our mother's control and expectations, we also need to redefine those expectations. And I think when these daughters show up into our sessions, then we start to also identify, like, for the first time, what success might look like in our lives. And that, that tends to be a very difficult conversation because we've never imagined <laughs> what our life would look like, what our success can look like. 
Imagining what our success can look like to ourselves is definitely something my own sister is really struggling with right now. So I called her up. When we come back, we'll hear that call with my sister. And now back to the conversation with my sister. My sister Lisa, like many other Asian American women, is someone who's grappling with the weight of my mother's expectations while also trying to define success on her own terms. We both logged on to Zoom recently to chat about it. Yeah, I guess maybe do you want to just like start off by talking about like when I say Asian mother-daughter relationship, what are the first things that come to your mind? I think about expectations. I think about yeah the expectations I think that have been placed on the both of us for as long as we can remember. Um, I think of how like our mother's voice is always kind of something in the back of my head that's like telling me you know if, if something is if she's going to approve of this or that and yeah it's, it's kind of like that. Yeah, I think that's like totally something that I think a lot of our listeners would relate to. And I guess for, you know, I really wanted to talk to you personally about this just cuz I thought that you are an example of I think what a lot of people do feel in their mother-daughter relationship. So can you just explain like you know, where are you at right now and how did you get to this place? Well, so right now I'm in medical school. Um, I'm finishing up my last year and it, it's been very difficult, <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like this was something that I was very encouraged to do. Um, it wasn't something that I initially intended on doing when I was in college and with the encouragement of our mother. And so I, I always kind of feel like when I think on on why I'm in medical school, you know, like in in the in my lowest moments where I'm wondering like why the hell did I choose this career path? This is horrible. Um, then I kind of think, well, I I knew that this was something that our mother would approve of. You know, like growing up as my younger sister, <laughs> we're three years apart, and I feel like you like always were someone who was like a little bit quieter and like you've always been really good at art and I mean whatever I'm sure people have feelings about their older sisters also but you know from like my perspective just as your sibling I had always thought that in a way you would have pursued art as a career or something creative just because you are so good with your hands and like your illustrations have always been so much better than anything I could do. Oh, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Probably like if I were to have asked myself when I was like, I don't know, in ninth grade or 10th grade or yeah, even just like anytime in high school, I feel like I would have said that I wanted to do art and I wanted to go to art school. I always wanted like a very creative career, but it was always just like go to college, get into the best college you can, you know, like succeed, get good grades in high school, and then you go to the best college you can, and then that's your career already. We have heard clips from like Turning Red, uh, Everything Everywhere, All at Once, and like it just seems like the mother-daughter relationship is such a huge part of like the discourse around Asian American identity. What did you feel when you saw those movies in terms of their depiction of the mother-daughter relationship? I did watch Turning Red and um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely um, could appreciate like how she felt with her mother. I mean, you know, she had this like really, really s strong, close relationship with her mom and she wanted her mom's approval so badly. And I, I definitely can relate to that. And I think that the mother-daughter relationship in like in the Asian American community has been like 
I think it's been talked about like in the context of like tiger moms and like moms who really, really push their daughters or sons or their children. But um, I think that what should also be talked about is kind of like, um, at least in, you know, in our case and in my case, like, I think that it's had a very like deep psychological effect on like how I view myself, how I view my Asian American identity, how I view myself as like not only an Asian American, but also as a woman. I also think that like something that kind of is like pervasive in our relationship with her is the sense of sacrifice along with the expectations. Is that something that you feel like is kind of like an undercurrent? Yeah, I was actually just going to say that. You know, I, I, I felt bad like when I couldn't get a job after college. I was like, oh, well, you know, she tried so hard. She and daddy tried so hard to like put me through college and everything. And like I couldn't succeed after that like you know and I, I I felt like really guilty and like stupid <laughs> and like so I felt like oh I had to like do something to redeem myself in their eyes and like so like maybe I had to sacrifice a little bit of my joy. Lisa believes that in order for us to get our mother's approval we need to sacrifice a bit of our own joy and that thought really stuck with me. I wondered did my mom think this way too and to get to that question First, I wanted to hear a bit more about my mom's relationship with her own mother. I mean, my mom was a discipliner. That's my mom, Marianne, talking about my grandmother. She was not kind of mother that she that we can easily go and talk to because she was always busy. She was always busy taking, literally taking care of five daughters. Uh, and in Korean society, father really doesn't play a huge role in child rearing. So that's the way it was. There is a certain amount of deference towards my mom all the time. The respect was a huge thing in my culture. Uh, so you don't talk, talk back to your mother. Uh, if your mom says jump, then you say how high. My mom immigrated to the United States from Korea when she was 17. So she really has a culturally different idea of what a mother-daughter relationship should be than what you've just heard my sister talking about. And I think that's this clash of cultural expectations that creates this misunderstanding. When I asked her if she knew how unhappy my sister was pursuing medicine, she actually said she had no idea. And yes, I'm really surprised that she didn't have passion for medicine. Then what did she have a passion for? And if that was her passion, art, she should have done it then. She should not have applied for some other major that I don't know... um, Was political science her passion? I don't know. She shouldn't be suffering. If she finds happiness being a starving artist and that's all she wants to do and she'll be happy, like she'll be happy, you know, being that, so be it. But I don't think so. My mom has a lot of expectations of us, if you couldn't already tell. Perfect daughter to me is somebody who is happy, somebody who is contributing member of the society, who feels that they are maximizing their their potential. And with that maximizing their potential, that they are happy doing what they're doing and making a living. I'm not sure if she recognizes all the contradictions, that she wants us to be happy, but also with successful careers that make us a lot of money. We have to be independent, but also deferential. You know, somebody who's compatible with you and somebody who's equal in terms of social standing and also in terms of intellectual. And that doesn't have to be a high-standing person, but it has to be somebody who's a good person, who's there, who's there equal in intellectual. 
And we need to marry someone whose social standing is equal to or better than ours. There's only one person in the world who is truly, truly, genuinely happy for your success. It's your mother. I'm sure you can hear in this conversation just the difference in understanding of what following your passion means to my mom versus my sister. And I think that's a generational and cultural gap coming through, along with a sense of familial duty and respect for elders. I'm not sure my mom or sister has really worked out this rift just yet, but I did want to speak with an Asian-American mom who has, or at least is trying. Marsha Aizumi is a Japanese-American who's recently written a book. It's called Two Spirits, One Heart, a mother, her transgender son, and their journey to love and acceptance. Her son Aiden was born female, but when he came out as transgender to his mother, Marsha initially struggled to accept him. She says, yes, this may be a universal struggle for all parents. But for her, as an Asian mother raised within a traditional Japanese family, this journey to acceptance was even harder. And so I think I was raised to be, to conform and to not do anything that would be uh, shameful or bring dishonor to my family. Asian families are very collective in thinking, very family oriented versus the American culture, which is more individualized. So I think my mother uh, kind of instilled those kinds of thoughts into who I was. And so that carried on to uh, being a mother myself. Marcia says it was really hard for her not to put expectations on Aiden when he was born. And when Aiden came out to her, Marcia had to reconcile within herself a lot of the expectations she'd been putting on him. Many of those came from her own upbringing in a traditional Japanese household. You know, when you talk about these pictures you have for your children, and then all of a sudden they've changed, then I just felt so sad that he would never be able to walk down the aisle wearing a dress. He would never be able to have children. All those things I had. And as far as a career, if he is a marginalized person on top of being Asian, can he be successful? And Marsha also admits that like many other Asian American mothers, she originally saw Aiden as a daughter and therefore an extension of herself and her own hopes. So when Aiden came out to me, I think there were three predominant feelings. Uh, the first one was shame. And I think our Asian culture has uh, this part of, you know, honor, saving face, you know, not doing anything that would bring shame to the family. And I think that's part of our culture, but also I think that is part of, like I said, some of the history that Asian Americans go through on discrimination. This tension eventually led to the two of them having a falling out. And for some time, when Aiden was in high school, the two didn't talk that much. Marcia says it was this fight that was a turning point for her to realize that this wasn't the kind of relationship she wanted with any of her children. The other part of me recognized if I forced them into a box and didn't allow them to be who they were, then that was not supporting them to be successful and happy. Marsha's ability to step outside of Asian family traditions and just accept Aiden on his own terms is really admirable. But I think for a lot of Asian mothers and daughters, there's always going to be this push and pull of claiming our own identity while also trying to meet our mother's expectations. 
I think in a lot of ways, Punjabi-American poet Demnit Kaur really captured this balance in a poem she wrote called Lessons on Breaking. Yes. So first, I'm the eldest immigrant daughter. Demnit's family immigrated from India when she was just five years old. But as the eldest in her family, it was often her job to take care of her younger siblings when her parents had to work. I think I would identify with that one because I there's a huge age gap between me and my siblings. I would say I, you know, I helped raise them. So when I was eight, my mom had my sister. And so she would go to work and I would watch my sister while my dad was also working. That's a responsibility a lot of eldest immigrant house, like eldest immigrant kids get, you know, just take on. Like they help watch their siblings. They basically help raise their siblings. So I was cleaning my sister's diapers. I was feeding her while my parents were at work. And she says with all these expectations and responsibilities, Sometimes she loses herself a little. Being the eldest daughter, there's so many things I think about, like, what's going to happen to my parents, like, if I get married, right? Like, like, how do I make sure that I'm showing up for them even after I get married? Or, you know, like, moments where I've had to really figure out how can I voice being me. She wrote Lessons on Breaking, and it really encapsulates what a lot of Asian American daughters feel as daughters of immigrants or daughters who just feel caught between two identities. It's long, but I think it's important we hear a bit of it now. You can call this eldest immigrant daughter and sister syndrome. I say I'll make it work. Note this. A lesson from my heart to the hands. My body makes things work. I was raised with women who have always known to struggle and, and hustle, to make work in a country that works you. Yet it has also known what that broken is, the poor woman's word. We know self-preservation before we ever know self-love. To carry our hands, our hearts, our heaviness into every place we make, sometimes it is the only way we break back. And this now, a lesson in manufacturing parts and healing, dear homegirl. To the woman who is not here, to the woman who will never hear this, the mother who is perhaps cleaning, working, or finding comfort in being left. We do not always come equipped with the tools, the words, the level of heart. Give your freedom a name. Name your healing. So shall the question be asked, who broke you and did you break them back? We know the world to break us. No men to break into us. And nothing is more powerful. Nothing is more Punjabi than a woman like a river who breaks free. When she says, give your freedom a name and to name your healing, it was really powerful to hear her talk about breaking out of those cultural norms. And it may sound corny, but actually doing it can be so difficult for us. As Asian Americans, we often find ourselves inhabiting the in-between that place between belonging and unbelonging, between acceptance and rebellion, between being seen and invisibility. And I often think if only others could really hear us and see us and try to understand us, maybe we could all find a bit of peace. But like so many others have said before me, it's being in that in-between that makes us powerful too. Thanks to my mom and my sister and to all of you for joining me. I'm Sarah Mises Tan, and this is Mid Pacific. Mid Pacific is a Cap Radio production, reported and hosted by me, Sarah Mises Tan. Our producer is Jen Picard. Associate producer is Jaira Deng. 
Antonio Muniz mixed the sound. We had editing help from Nick Miller and Shane Nuesca. Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Special thanks to Alyssa Jong-Perry. Chris Bruno is in charge of marketing. Our designs were created by Marissa Espiritu. Renee Thompson is our digital products manager. Our theme song is Can't Hold Us Back by Polar Tropica. You can find that on iTunes or Spotify. To make sure you don't miss a single episode, be sure to subscribe, follow, or add us to your podcast feed. Thank you so much for listening to Mid-Pacific. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.